Kroom Ray, your host at the One Soccer Nation podcast, where we explore the vibrant world of soccer through the eyes of the most influential figures. Today, we're honored to have two distinguished guests from Interactive, a company revolutionizing the world of sports medicine and performance enhancement. Please welcome Dr. Joseph Clark, Chief Science Officer, and John Vinson, President, both with extensive background in neurology, athletics, and biomedical research. Together, they are leading the way in concussion prevention, recovery, and performance enhancement. Join us as we dive into their careers, insights, and their intersection of science and soccer. Again, Dr. Joseph and John, thank you so much for taking the time today. How's it going? Uh, great. Yes, and thanks for having me, having us. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here um, and you know, talk about neurovisual training and what we're doing at Interactive. Amazing. So I appreciate you guys taking the time again. Um, you know, what is Interactive for our guests? Uh, well, Interactive is actually a, a vision that was um, seeded by John Vincent. Um, uh, I have been, um, had been the independent neuro consultant at the University of Cincinnati, where I took care of uh, people with traumatic brain injury uh you know, concussion in athletics, but we also did neurovisual training for injury prevention and performance enhancement. John was an athlete um, uh, in the University of Cincinnati football team, had seen it firsthand, so seen the neurovisual training as an athlete. And then when he graduated, he um, uh, uh, went into an MBA program and was an intern with me. And um, in, in, um, uh, for me, my memory is he he literally asked permission to start a company, asked me permission to start a company based on what we had been doing with the university athletics. And um, uh, that's kind of the genesis from my side. John, do you want to add to that? So essentially, the reason why I started Interactive was because, as Dr. Clark mentioned, I, I was uh, on the football team for the University of Cincinnati. I, I did the neurovisual training firsthand. And with my background in neurobiology, Dr. Clark and I would always talk about, you know, kind of the, the foundational neuroscience, the foundational neurophysiology of why we were doing what we were doing. And then once I graduated, I actually joined the research side and learned firsthand how to conduct these uh, neurovisual um, assessments on both the athletes and non-athlete uh, TBI concussion patients. And so um, the goal of Interactive, from my perspective, was to um, scale the incredible results that we were having with our athlete and patient population to the broader masses. And so, you know, that's with uh, first and foremost sports, currently sports performance enhancement, but then also with um, diving into concussion prevention and rehabilitation as well. Amazing. With all the amazing work, research and studies and results that you guys are producing, um, what athletes in, in what platforms, whether it's schools, professional clubs, um, what, where are you guys currently helping and how do you guys plan on scaling that? Uh, well, the where is um, with lots of different sports and field sports are a sweet spot for what um, uh, Interactive is trying to do. We, we do what we call neurovisual training. 
because it's more than just vision training. And I don't say just in a diminutive way. Vision training is a thing. It's been around for decades. Um, uh, neurocognitive training has been around for a while as well. We merge the two. And um, that's what uh, interactive does with neurovisual training for field sports. So for a sport like soccer, um, uh, it's awesome for field awareness, peripheral vision, depth perception, ball trajectory, speed of the ball, speed of the uh, uh, of the adversary coming at you, um, keeping track, multi-object tracking, visual tracking. So multi-objects are multiple people on the field. Um, so neurovisual training is very good at taking in the visual information that people see every day on the field and giving the, uh, the brain a little bit better experience on using that information. It works for all positions on the soccer field and other sports, uh, including goalies. One of the um, full-time employees at Interactive is a uh, uh, retired goalie who uh, played in Europe. Um, and uh, I think you've spoken to him, Robert. Uh, and he is a big believer and has incorporated a lot of what we do uh, in his uh, soccer goalie academy because he works as a goalie coach. Um, the other component is a little bit um, uh, harder to characterize, but every a lot of people in sports will experience it, and that is the speed of the game. The game is very fast, and after a period of time, many athletes will start to say, all right, the game is slowing down. And it's not slowing down. It may even be getting faster, but their brain is processing faster. So the other component is the speed of processing, getting information and processing it faster. And that's kind of how the neurovisual training that Interactive does will help with performance enhancement and injury prevention. You know, it's the it's the blindside hit that hurts a lot of people. Hundred percent. And I I recently seen like even like strengthening your neck will also help with that as well uh if you're talking concussion prevention there is some literature on that um uh certainly um controlling the header um is is critical you have to have good control i actually uh, as a personal opinion i'm not a big fan of big huge traps uh, you know, on a soccer player, you need good dynamic control and the speed of acceleration and deceleration. So good neck muscles, yes. Big, huge neck muscles, not necessarily. Um, and and I will train female soccer players and they don't want huge traps, uh, but they can have strong, dynamic and well-controlled neck muscles with good strength and conditioning, which I completely agree with. And that will help them, say, control the header, control their head, be able to decelerate or take a hit should that have to occur. Understood. John, did you want to touch on that as well? Yeah. So just to answer like the other part of your question from the business perspective of, uh, you know, how are we trying to scale this? And, you know, currently we are still predominantly in the Cincinnati area in the, in Ohio. We actually are just now branching out into Chillicothe, but we're working with, you know, local high schools at really all levels. You know, we do have uh, professional one-on-one -on -one training services. We do offer, uh, we do work pro uh, with high school athletes as well. You know, we've partnered with uh, CrossFit Cincinnati, which is a big local CrossFit center in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, we do have some 
hubs that are currently in development in um, uh, California and Florida. Um, and we do also have another one that's in development with uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada as well. Mm -hmm. um, but really, uh, we also offer like a certification program so you can learn these methodologies. So Kareem, if you're like a uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one soccer trainer uh, working with professional athletes on drills, you could get certified as a, a what we're calling a CL1 um, neurovisual training instructor to learn some of these methodologies that you could then impart upon, uh, you know, your, your athletes as well. So that's kind of the foundation and how we are trying to scale it by standardizing the methodologies that have been peer-reviewed and published through Dr. Clark's work um and you know for the broader for the broader uh athletic population that's, right yeah that's amazing i was just going to say that um the opportunity for coaches to you know to get certified by you guys to also add this to their training is, is an amazing opportunity for them mm -hmm. um dr dr clark did you want to add anything in there or uh no i was just uh um Active, active listening. <laughs> what is it? Um, can you guys tell us more about Interactive's mission and vision and how it intersects with the world of soccer and, and sports in general? John, you want to go? Yeah, I can take this. So from my understanding or from my perspective, um, and I kind of said this earlier, but what I see Interactive's mission to be is to scale the results that we had in Cincinnati, um, you know, to really help help the patients of concussions and traumatic brain injuries, um, you know, which are with which athletes are a high risk group, uh, yeah, a high at risk group, um, and from just the results that we saw with working with not just the you know American football players but baseball athletes with soccer athletes with even uh you know the UC uh cheerleading team you know we were able to have significant results on just their uh recovery time post traumatic brain or post concussion and that's really what we were trying to do is to scale this so not you know people from other parts of the nation don't have to come to the University of Cincinnati or or now you know our our hub site in, in uh, at Interactive's location in Cincinnati but you know we're trying to scale this to have these partnerships with California and with um you know our, our partnership in in Florida so that we can start developing these hubs around the nation uh, to really get this research out there and uh, practice in an appropriate way understood mm -hmm. Dr. Clark, what inspired you to combine neurology, uh, optimary, and physical medicine into a systematic approach for neurovisual training? And how does it benefit athletes, including soccer players? Uh, yeah, thank you for that question. That's an awesome question. Uh, so it was kind of a long and windy road. Um, but first, I'm a certified and licensed athletic trainer, and I have been a certified and licensed athletic trainer trainer since 1984. So this is literally the 40th year of being in athletic training. Um, but after becoming an athletic trainer, I actually fell in love with neurophysiology and neurologic rehab. And athletic training has a lot of rehab. And this was a, a separate, very small niche 
niche at the time. And then after being in athletic training for a little while, I segued to that and spent a good 20 plus years um, doing and learning neurophysiology. My PhD is in neurophysiology, neuro rehab, which is kind of like physiatry, um, traumatic brain injury, stroke, and diagnostics and, and, and rehab. And then in the mid 2000s, when the sports concussion stuff was blowing up, um, I, uh, if you don't mind the expression, got the gig as the independent neuro consultant for the University of Cincinnati Athletics, which was wonderful because it merged to what had been separate discipline, the sports and the neuro together, because now I'm taking care of the brains of the athletes. And I, I took that very seriously. I, I would say I'm, you know, a custodian or the custodian of the brains of those athletes and wanted to keep them safe, do injury prevention, uh, performance enhancement, because if you're in sports medicine, you want good performance and often high level performance is associated with safer performance if you're doing things correctly um you know poor uh, uh mechanics is all are often associated with higher uh, risk of injury and um after learning the two disciplines separately uh putting them together was actually uh a joy because i could borrow from both disciplines and um it, it worked wonders and uh, um uh being back, you know, on the on the um, uh, in the training room, on the football field, on the soccer pitch, um, working with the athletes, uh, tending to injured athletes, which is not a great thing, but a necessary part of the job. Um, and seeing that I, we were getting injured athletes back faster, like with a concussion. So with a sports related concussion in most of college sports, a person is out for two weeks. With our program, and that's the preventative and the rehab, we were able to cut the um, return to play time from 14 days, two weeks to just under seven. But they were healthy. I mean, it wasn't, you know, skipping steps because they were highly monitored and um, and assessed. So what this does for soccer, I hope, is I really want to take away some of the fear, trepidation of headers. I cringe when I hear organizations or people saying, uh, well, you should take out headers or you shouldn't header till you're 16. Or I'm like, it's part of the game and it's a beautiful part of the game when done well. And all I think is necessary, and, and it is a process, is the strength and conditioning, the neck strengthening, the eye discipline. We have a um a publication showing that a lot of people flinch and close their eyes when heading the ball. Well, when you close your eyes, you're losing, losing situational awareness. And that's called eye discipline. We have eye discipline training. When you start putting all those things together, the game is safer and better. And I really don't want a lot of rules changed. And I don't, um, I, I hope there isn't a day where headers are taken out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely part of the beautiful game, beautiful game. And, um, you know, it's actually interesting. I was thinking, do I, did I have the ball a lot when I was playing? And honestly, not, not really, but there were times I was, and I was, I was pretty good with the head. Um, with saying now, I think about, you know, concussions. I think about hockey. I think about really football. Mm -hmm. you know, these guys are going head in first for tackles and stuff like that. Um, what are, what are you, you know, first of all, actually like what sport are your favorites? 
And, you know, let's talk, what's the highest sport that creates the most concussions? Well, I was going to bring up that last question as an answer. So the answer is women's soccer. High school and college female soccer players per capita have the highest number of concussions. And and, um, that that is of concern. There are ways to fix it. When we were with the University of Cincinnati, um, uh, the women's soccer team used to average four concussions a year. Once we started our prevention program, and, and remember, there's education, prevention, there's multiple facets. I'm not the only person. It went from one, uh, four per year to less than one a year, one every other year, one, one or two, but um, less than one a year. <clears throat> Um, uh, with the women's soccer team, and that was sustained over several years. Excuse me. Um, high school sports, it's the same thing. It, it's a higher number per capita than any other sport. Um, now, men's football, <clears throat> American football, not European football. I lived in Europe a while, so I have to characterize that. So uh, American football there's a lot of players, you know, there's a hundred players on some teams. And so there are a lot of opportunities for a person to get injured. They have high numbers as well, but again, per capita, it's female soccer. Um, My favorite sport is um, sports. My favorite two sports are um, uh, UFC slash MMA. And I know some people are very one or the other. I like both and American football. Um, uh, Soccer does come in third. Um, but third tied with hockey, ice hockey. Got it. What about you, John? What's your favorite sport? Yeah, it has to be for me personally, since I, uh, played at the university of Cincinnati, it'll always be American football for sure. Got it. Well, it is still the number one sport in the U S hopefully soccer is climbing up that ladder. Hopefully we catch you guys. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. John, in your experience, how does the neurovisual system play a role in sports performance? Yeah. So if you think about it, you know, in sports performance, a lot of people, you know, just rely on traditional strength and conditioning, right? You get, you get stronger, you spend time in the gym and you get stronger on the field, you get faster on the field. But a lot of people take out the first part of that, which is what makes your muscles contract, right? It's the nervous system. Your brain, you're you're taking in information, processing that information, and then um, and deciding what to do with it, and then executing an action, right? And all of that comes before the actual muscle contraction. And so that's what we are trying to do, and that's what Dr. Clark's research, you know, has been working on this prevention and rehabilitative program. Uh, one of the things we usually say is we call the the prevention part prehab. Right. It's it's just like strength and conditioning. You know, why are you doing strength and conditioning? Well, it's prehab for going out on the field and, you know, being as strong and quick as possible. But if you were to get, unfortunately, injured, like a, a muscular uh, injury, which happens all the time, um, you know, you you are. I think it's routinely like four to six weeks for the average person who tears their hamstring to fully recover, but you see athletes time and time again recover in one to two weeks. Well, why is that? Because their strength and conditioning, their their regular strength and conditioning program 
is a prehab because their body already knows how to bear, bear load. They already know how to do proper squat mechanics, proper lunging technique, you know, working these muscles uh, appropriately. And so that's what this, this uh, neurovisual training prehab program is. It's training your central nervous system to, um, you know, really be able to pro take in that information efficiently, process that information officially, and then execute the muscle contraction uh, effectively. Understood. You know, speaking from an athlete perspective, you know, when I was young, I was never thinking about injuries, but they do come. It happens to all athletes. It's, it's bound to happen, um, especially if there's not the proper training, that, especially something that you guys are providing, if there's not a proper, proper recovery system, especially, you know, I, I grew up in Canada, so we, we didn't really have that infrastructure growing up versus the UK. Their, their football system is ex extremely different to our soccer system here, right? And that's growing in the US and Canada now. Um, with saying that, I'm, I'm actually really interested to get both your perspectives on what about like like having a positive uh, mental and positive attitude and how does that play into part, especially with the stuff that you guys are doing? Do you guys um, include certain like uh, mental training in that regards, you know, positive affirmation, positive thinking on the field, stuff like that? Or do you guys really just focus in on the science, the, the research and, and implement those? Yeah. The, so the, the, <clears throat> the mental resilience is absolutely critical. Um, and what we often do is we challenge a person um, <clears throat> with multitasking. And multitasking is hard for everyone. And everyone should know that when you start multitasking, your efficacy of your tasks are going to go down. Um, <clears throat> let, let's take a single example. Um, and a, a goalie drill. And you're a goalie drill, and all you're supposed to do is catch and release. And you have to make a decision. Catch, release left, release right, or kick. All right, we make it a three-way decision. And the way we give that decision is red balls go right, green balls go left, blue balls go straight. Right? So uh, as far as what you're doing. And we'll do a pitch and catch. That's great. Everyone does fine. Now we throw balls rapid fire. So they have to do that faster. Nah, it's a little bit of stress. Now we throw multiple balls. Now, yes, in a goal, you're not going to get multiple balls, but you need to concentrate. So then we prioritize. Red is number one. Green is number two. Blue is number three. And you have to go for the priority because it's it's similar to what you do in a, in a, a keeper situation. You go for the ball, not the man, and you have to make that decision. Instincts, especially with younger athletes, you know, the man is a lot bigger than the ball. But you have to ignore the man and go for the ball. And so there's that resiliency. And we do it very quickly where a person's going to fail. So they have to learn to fail and move on. You know, and then we're saying, hey, that was actually still really good. You want to do better, that's fine. We, we use the positive reinforcement. We take a person to or through failure and they learn from it and learn to just let it go. Uh, and that's just one example. We have other examples where... Um, we give them uh, verbal uh, uh, tasks, whether it's a flashcard or like on the DynaVision light board, it can flash words. And um, they have to call out what's on the on the flashcard or in the um, uh, on, on screen. 
And those things can be um, sometimes challenging, uh, sometimes funny, but they have to stay on task. So um, one of my favorite ones is they're not supposed to laugh. They're supposed to stay on task. Then we throw in silly phrases like, you know, coach, coach's breath smells like beer farts, you know, and silly things that they're supposed to stay on task. They still have to say it because they have to communicate, um, but uh, maintain resiliency. And then we can also do things with the that calling out of the words, um, you know, say, have serious phrases, um, you know, like I've got a test tomorrow and I haven't studied if, it, if, it's a, if it's a college student. And that's just some ways to build resiliency. You know, they have to say it, they have to deal with it, and they have to move on. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, Dr. Clark, was the, the Dynavision example where, you know, you can even imagine where they... Uh, with a soccer athlete where they would have to, you know, the primary task is hitting as many buttons on the light board as possible while dribbling the soccer ball between their legs or, or you know, with, with their mm -hmm. feet. And then having on the T-scope, the center screen on the Dynavision, you know, positive words of affirmation that they have to say out loud. Mm -hmm. you know, the primary task being hit as, many, hit as many buttons as you can, you know, you're training um, multiple different cognitive processes there um, while also incorporating that into what the athlete's uh, primary goal is, is dribbling the ball. Mm. Understood. Um, you know, with saying that, one of the things I was thinking about um, was like, after recovering from injury was like the confidence in mind to like go back and getting it into a tackle or running at pace with the ball. So building up that confidence, mm -hmm. that, that was a hard thing as well. Um, just, mm -hmm. just reflecting on that, that was kind of like actually a scary thing mm -hmm. uh, after injury. So pretty interesting how powerful the mind is. Um, with saying that, John, could you share some of the examples of a success story with where interactive uh, interactives methodology uh, was implemented and had a significant difference on the performance of the recovery of the athlete? Yeah, so the story that um, I, I want to relate is a University of Cincinnati athlete um, that I had a relationship with, had baselines on, had done the prehab, as John alluded to, uh, neurovisual training for performance enhancement. Um, I mean, you know, bad life events occur. He was in a very serious car accident. He had a traumatic brain injury as well as orthopedic injuries. Um, and uh, I'm near death, okay? So near death kind of um, car accident. Um, it happened near Cincinnati, so it was in the University of Cincinnati Hospital. The next morning, I was one of the medical staff members that went into the hospital, talked to his parents, you know, started saying, we're going to work with him. This is going to be a long process. He's unconscious. He does not remember any of this. Um, and and uh, on, a, on a very clinical note, I looked at him because I was, you know, in the room with him, and um, he was so banged up and that's a very soft term i couldn't recognize him as the person that i knew i mean there's a lot going on and i'm being cryptic because i don't want to be unnecessarily graphic anyway um he was in hospital and in acute rehab for seven weeks um the when he was discharged from rehab it went to the fairly high level in the immune, uh, university administration um, but when he was discharged, they told his parents that 
um, a successful outcome would be um, what's called activities of daily living. And that means he could live independently, but not to expect him to go back to school, not to expect him to, you know, have high functioning uh, cognitive ability because it was a very severe traumatic brain injury. Um, I saw him at seven weeks and it, it was a severe traumatic brain injury. Um, he had a lot of function, but not great function. I mean, he was literally not moving one of his arms. Um, he had a jaw injury, so he could not speak very well. Um, severe injury to one of his eyes. So his, you know, problem with vision, skull fracture, um, cerebral spinal fluid leaking from his nose. I mean, there's a lot even after seven weeks. Um, with multiple people in the training room, because he was rehabbed in the training room, using our rehab methods and uh, physical therapy, so physiatry and neurovisual training, um, uh, I saw him every day for an hour and then worked with his um, other therapists on what they were doing. And they were all, so they were doing physical therapy, uh, like arm range of motion, and he was doing a lot of work on the Dynavision to get uh, movement back in his left arm, um, speech therapy because of the jaw, again, a lot of things. And um, myself and several team members, it was a huge team effort, did rehab with him five days a week, several hours a day. In the beginning, only a couple and then more and more. Um, to make a much longer story short, um, he missed one semester of school. He graduated um, with an above a 3.0 grade point average um, and sort of the the memory that I have is I was interacting with his mother and father regularly when she said, I got my baby back. That was like a crowning achievement for all of us um, because it was, uh, that was not expected. Wow. Yeah, that's, 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 um, that's a hard one. How many years was put into training and, and helping to get, to get him back uh 11 months Ele I, I, 11 I, months I say two years nope 11 months which is uh, fast yes uh, i think two years would have been a reasonable time frame it was 11 months i do want to say he had 115 brothers supporting him every single day because he's in the training room with the rest of the the football team understood um wow when you say she said, I have my baby back. Um, was he fully back to normal? Uh, he'll always have a, a few deficits. But if you're in the neuro field, there are many times a person has a stroke or a traumatic brain injury of that ilk. And the family will know there's still something wrong. They're not right. I, I might or might not have known that. But when she said he's back to himself, his personality, that's a big deal. Um, he, uh, you know, his his speech came back. Um, I mean, he still has scars um, and he is prone to headaches. Um, but his personality and his cognitive ability was back to what he had had before. That's amazing. Um, I mean, he he lost some use of his shoulder. Again, it was a very severe injury. Um, obviously didn't play football again. Um, but when the family members say 
a loved one after an injury like that is back, that's huge. Yeah. Wow. That this that story really reminds me of um, Riley Foster. She was uh, a professional player for Liverpool on the women's side, and uh, she got into a really bad car accident. This is public information. And, um, you know, it wasn't until I think it was a year or two, and she got back on the, you know, she recovered, she went through recovery and she went back, she signed to another professional team and she was back on the field. And I, I seen that I follow her on Instagram, you know, I've had her on the podcast and to see her go through all that and still get back on the field. I was like, wow, um, you gotta, you gotta be strong, uh, resilient and, uh, have a lot of confidence and, and, you know, salute to her. She got back on that field and it's just, it's crazy. and how like how uh an experience like a car accident the effect that it can have on you but the people like yourselves um dr clark and john to help with people that come across certain injuries to get them back on their feet is is truly amazing and it's such a blessing um, um do you want me to give a a, a shorter story that's sports specific um I think the one that you gave is is fine. If you want to, if you do want to share another one, that that's that's fine as well. I was gonna. Uh, it's your it's your call. <laughs> um, no, like I, John said, there are lots of examples. So yeah, um, because I, I mean, a serious one is serious, but yeah, um, I can. I think whatever I mean, you want to do. Yeah, I think a sports one would be good too. Okay. All right. Um. So uh, I I am still working with this athlete and was working with this athlete for a while. Um, uh, I was not, uh, part of the medical team, um, with his, um, uh, with his team, uh, but had a pre-existing relationship. Um, he had had a sports related concussion, was evaluated by, um, uh, their team and was cleared to play. Um, and I mean, you know, sometimes athletes don't want to disclose everything to the the medical team but he disclosed to me that he was still having some deficiencies so and this is no joke in the training room parking lot i did an evaluation on him because i had had a baseline with him because i had a relationship with him previously um i identified a couple of minor deficiencies but deficiencies i you would only know if you had a relationship and after identifying those those deficiencies, um, I gave him some exercises to help him get better. And the, he did them and um, subsequently got better. He was actually playing when he still had those deficiencies. But he said that after seeing me and then addressing the deficiencies that I was able to identify using the neurovisual training um NVT methodologies and then giving him NVT rehab. Um, he uh, recovered in less than two weeks from that point. And um, uh, his, he was already playing and his performance went back to his pre-injury abilities. Um, so he felt that it was able to get him back to what he was because he felt he wasn't where he should have been and um, we were able to identify a couple of things to work on and helped him get back to his regular abilities. Amazing. Wow. Um, 
John, how does Interactive's approach to training the neurovisual system differ from traditional sports training methods? And what advantages does it offer to athletes in terms of injury prevention and performance enhancement? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I feel like I touched on this a little bit earlier, but really it's the uh, the neurovisual training um our neurovisual training program differs from just traditional sports, you know, performance enhancement, strength and conditioning, um, you know, what, what you typically think of when you think of sports training um, is we're training basically the central nervous system. We're not really working too much. Well, I mean, we do incorporate uh, body movements and muscular um, strength training as well, but that's not really the focus. The focus is the central nervous system. And that's, again, kind of that paradigm of training um training getting information into the brain processing that information um and then executing a decision from that information and so humans are really bad at actually um making decisions while in sports things are coming at them right you have your opponents you have uh you know a, a ball um you, you have other teammates around you you have a lot of visual information um, that's coming at you. And so you have to, athletes are trained. That's why you're trained in the muscle memory, right? So when you're on the field, you don't have to think about what you're doing. You just react like you've been trained, you, like you've been practicing on the field. And so the neurovisual training is attempting to train your um, processing ability of all this visual information so that you know, if there's something that you your muscle memory isn't um, accustomed to on the field of play, which happens all the time because you can't predict everything that's you can't simulate everything that's going to happen in game, you know, come game time. So that's what we're training is that central nervous system aspect of it. Um, you know, that's that's kind of completely different from the the traditional uh, strength and conditioning, muscular you know type of performance enhancement stuff. And I don't know if there's anything else that you'd like to add, Dr. Clark, but, um, but yeah. Uh, no, I think that's good. Understood. What role do you guys see technology playing in the future of sports um, and sports medicine, particularly particularly in the context of you know, interactive's work? Um, I think I'll start. Um, so technology is great, but it's not necessary. Uh, um, and let me give you an example. Several years ago, um, I had some um, uh, very high level personal trainers come to the UC football camp to shadow and watch what we did. And I love educating and, you know, love talking, love lecturing that. I mean, that's just great. So they were there. And they were um, seeing the technology that we have. And we've got, you know, optical adherence, tomography, EEG, VEP, multiple Dynavisions, Fropters, um, electroretinogram, lots of technology. And then some things that are not so technological. And this individual asked me a great question, which is why I'm remembering it now. And he, he said, okay, picture you and the, the football team, the UC football team, are on a deserted island and you can have only one NVT modality to train with the football team. What's that modality going to be? And I have to be honest. I said, all right, can I think about it for a little bit? Cause I, I could not answer right away. 
So I did think about it and I took the question very seriously. And I came back and I said, I'm going to have to say two things, but I think you'll give me the two things. And he's like, okay, two things. What two things? And I said, an unlimited supply of paper and colored pens, right? Because with regard to performance enhancement, neurovisual training, it's what's between here and your athlete that's going to help that athlete. You know, uh, uh, I mean, Dynavision is wonderful. But if Dynavision, if a person gets on the Dynavision and does one thing eight hours a day, they're going to seriously plateau, right? So you need somebody else to guide them to higher levels of performance. Now, technology absolutely has a place because the technology will help all of us get more information. There's this wonderful QEEG technology that can tell if a person is anxious about a certain activity if they're firing all parts of the brain or the right parts of the brain, or are they um, bringing in other parts of the brain that aren't necessary, you know, um, during doing activities. So QEEG is quantitative electroencephalogram and they're now wearable. You put them on and you can have people, you know, not really play a game, but do game-like activities, more physical activities. That's going to tell us a tremendous amount. You know, is a person ready to go back to play after an injury? Um, uh, you know, technologies like the Dynavision. The Dynavision is a, a very quantitative assessment, and it's quantitative for performance enhancement. Uh, peripheral vision, it can train peripheral vision. So technology will absolutely have a place and I embrace the technology, but the intuition of a good coach or trainer will not be replaced by AI anytime soon. <laughs> That's a good one. You know, we're seeing artificial intelligence take a lot, take over a lot of different industries right now and moving really fast and different technologies like blockchain, crypto, so on and so forth. But super exciting times, uh, a bit scary too, but uh, exciting. Um, with saying that, um, can you guys plug in interactives um, where the viewers can learn more and, and uh, connect with you guys? And then obviously I'll have guys everything linked in the description, all the mm -hmm. links to their LinkedIn's and website. Sure. John, you want to go? <laughs> um, well, you can find us at, um, you know, www.interactive.com. Uh, we do have a, we do have a, um, blossoming social media presence, whether that's through uh, Twitter or Instagram, where it's just at interactive, or we actually just launched a, a new kind of uh, training session called Neurobics as well. So the Instagram handle will be at Neurobics uh, underscore NVT um, for Instagram. And I believe Twitter as well, right, Dr. Clark? Are there any yeah. other ones I'm missing? We're on Twitter and Instagram, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, if you don't mind, I can add to that. So, um, so interactive is www.inneuractive.com. Um, if you, and please forgive me if I'm overstepping, but I, I do watch podcasts like yours and, and I, I love it. And I don't want to do one of the things I complain about. So let me give you, give give me a chance to not do that. So there have been, I've watched several podcasts where it's like this and they do great things and I want to know how. Well, interactive.com, you can learn how. We are not, it's not like 
we have a proprietary secret sauce and you only get there if you give the password. Go to interactive.com forward slash newsletter. And we have 800 articles, right? Isn't it? It's issue 10, eight articles, um, uh, an issue. 800 articles or so on what we do. Y you know, you will get the secret sauce. Yes, you've got to read, but um, it, uh, it's not, it, but it's there. We're not hiding it. Um, we are proselytizing. We want people doing this. Um, and uh, you can learn how to do it there. You can contact um, me through interactive.com. Um, I offer lectures, online lectures, in-person lectures, um, but the newsletter is free. <clears throat> and we have something like 160 peer-reviewed. I have something like 160 peer-reviewed publications. We have on Interactive about 25 or 30 of those free as PDFs. Amazing. So much value, guys. <clears throat> Go check it out. The, the work that Dr. Clark and, and John, the work that they're doing is extremely valuable and can help you enhance uh, in your sport. So please check it out. Uh, coming up here, I do want to be respectful of both your times. We have five minutes left, and I do have also another call. Um, last question. Can you guys share some of the exciting developments of future plans for Interactive? Um, well, I'll, I'll go, because John alluded to it, and that is um, neurobics. So... Um, Neurobics is a brain and body training paradigm for baby boomers, for 50 to 85-year-olds. Um, there are, you know, senior aerobics and silver sneakers, um, but this is a lot like our neurovisual training for performance enhancement, but targeting, um, the, uh, you know, moms and dads. Um it's designed for the 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 senior people, fifty to eighty five year olds. Um, it's it's meant to be engaging and social. Um, it's a classroom like activity. We worked hard to choose activities that most people in that age group could do, and we have the brain overlay where we use flashcards, um, games, gamification. We use the Dynavision because it's a wonderful modality. Um, and our clients are are absolutely loving it. We're training new coaches to be able to coach neurobics, that is senior um, um, uh, brain-based, body-based activity. Every single neurobics session has a warm-up, a, um, a balance and mobility. Seniors falling down can be a very serious problem. A brain training and um, uh, strengthening, but it's not strengthening like, you know, bench pressing 225, 49, 49 times, which is, you know, NFL level, but it's more um, keeping the strength of your extremities such that you're able to, uh, we use the expression, pick up your grandbaby and be able to play with them. Amazing. John, did you want to add on to that as well? No, I think Dr. Clark uh, covered it uh, perfectly. Yeah, that's like our our biggest up and coming thing right now. Um, we you know we do have several different um, develop you know several different things in development, but that right now is probably the number one. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, to our viewers, thank you for joining us for this enlightening conversation with Dr. Joseph Clark and John Vincent from Interactive. 
Their expertise in neurology and sports medicine has given us valuable insights into the critical importance of brain health and performance in sports and soccer and beyond. We hope this discussion has expanded your understanding of how science is shaping the future of sports. Stay tuned for more captivating episodes as we continue to explore the multifaceted world of soccer. Dr. Clark and John, thank you for both sharing your knowledge and experience on the One Soccer Nation podcast today. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us.